The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Thursday, November 19, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and today we are continuing our series of short episodes dedicated to the teams ranked in the top 10 of my top 25 and 1. We've already done 10 through 3, so today we're going to be focusing on the team that I have ranked second this preseason, and that team is... The Baylor Bears. It's Terry Teagle's alma mater, dead leg. The Baylor Bears finished 26-4 and four last season. Would have been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, but the dumb pandemic screwed everything up. Regardless, top three scores from that team are back. That is Jared Butler, Maceo Teague, Davion Mitchell. Beyond that, Mark Vidal also back. He was a finalist for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award last season. So Scott Drew's Bears are experienced. They're accomplished. They're loaded. Norlander, we've discussed Baylor a lot this offseason, so I think I know the answer, but let me confirm on this Baylor-centric episode. Do you believe strongly that the Bears will win their first conference title since 1950 this season? Strongly is putting it too strongly. I do believe they've got a really good chance to do it, but the Big 12 is too competitive for me to, to have a lot of confidence in that. I have more confidence about... The team we'll talk about on Friday, uh, Gonzaga. There's no serial suspense here. Everyone knows it's Gonzaga that's going to be number one. I have more confidence Villanova winning in the Big East. I have more confidence in our number four team, Virginia, winning the ACC. Uh, my brain is mush. Who was the fifth team? Who did we talk about to start the week? Iowa, right? Yeah. The Hawkeyes. And I, got more, I got more confidence in Baylor winning the Big 12 than I do Iowa uh, winning, winning the Big 10 there. But... Um, yeah, obviously a very intriguing team, and this is just, uh, to state the obvious, Baylor historically is a terrible program. In fact, my entire list of the top 68 programs in the NCAA tournament era, so from 1939 until this year, is out, and I researched more than 100 programs on that list. Baylor did not even come close. They are not oh. even close to a top 68 yeah. program. Did you forget about the Bill Henderson era? I, 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 of course, accounted for the Bill Henderson era, but Baylor, nonetheless, was not. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the final tally here. Baylor, let's just say Baylor was on the back end of the 90s uh, in terms of overall ranking there. So Bill Henderson, that, Terry that, Teagle, that, they couldn't quite that do is a, That is a slap in the face of Bill Henderson. The data and, is the data, man. This, is, this was an objective statistical analysis of the best programs ever and Baylor traditionally sucks. It doesn't suck anymore because it's got Scott Drew and they're finally getting to a point where they are considered a top three, top two 
maybe even number one, the number one team at Ken Palm heading into a season. Uh, Scott Drew has become obviously the best program. He's Bill Henderson's in Scott Drew's dust. It's not even a question. Get it out of my face. Bill what, Henderson. What, what, what Mick Cronin is, what Mick Cronin is to John Wooden, Scott Drew is to Bill Henderson, who, by the way, I wondered for people who might have missed it, I think it was on our Big 12 preview. Bill Henderson, I did so much research on all everything, and I discovered Bill Henderson, and he had taken Baylor to the Final Four both in 1948 and 1950 with a career coaching record of 201 and 233. So I wondered on the podcast, I was like, that's got to be the worst winning percentage for a coach who's been to two Final Fours, like in the history of college basketball i didn't know for sure i just wondered aloud and then i got a, a message from matthew hansen special shouts to matthew hansen and he did confirm that bill henderson does have the lowest winning percentage for a two-time final four coach in history and only the legend hb lee has a worse winning percentage than bill henderson for a one-time final four coach Bill Henderson's uh, career winning percentage is .463. H.B. Lee's is .433. He took Colorado to the 1955 Final Four. And do you know, look, quick trivia time. I don't know. Quick trivia time. I don't know. Do you know in, in the modern era, in the modern era, what two Final Four coaches had the lowest career winning percentage in the modern era? So coaching, uh, head coaching record, worst records, but have made a Final Four. I laid on me. Couldn't, couldn't even begin to try and guess this right now. It is Porter Moser no. and John Brady. What? Loyola, Chicago, and LSU. Now, how about that? Okay. That, oh, that's all that special trivia time from Matthew Hansen. I got nothing to do with it. I just read it and copied, pasted, put it so in. So we're trusting and, someone else's information with the trivia yes, time. Okay. Yes. Well, you yes. know what? We hey, play a little hey, loose. I'm good. It, on, on the day after the NBA draft and less than a week from the college basketball season starting, yes, we're trusting other people at yeah, this point. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Let's just, let's just absolutely go with it and roll with it. Um, but the point is... Unless you got more on Henderson, the point that's is... All I get. That's all I got. <laughs> okay, thank God. Thank goodness. Um, the point is, Baylor is the best team in the Big 12 heading into the season. Objectively, that has to be the evaluation, even though Kansas is Kansas. Uh, we've touched on them. And then West Virginia is a team that I think is top 10 good. And certainly, Bob Huggins, I think, could have a front court that's going to uh, be the best in the conference. Baylor's going to be the best team on defense, and it's got enough playmakers there. Uh, the return of Macy Oteague and then Jared Butler is is pretty significant. And I actually think they'll make for a wonderful one-two duo again. Butler's more highly regarded, but I, I'm, I do think that Teague is going to be perfectly capable of being this team's leading scorer, you know, 30 40% of the time this season. And that might be just what Scott Drew wants. That's what the doctor ordered there. Now they lose Freddie Gillespie. Didn't get drafted on Wednesday night. Wasn't expected to. But, you know, an imp impactful and meaningful player on that roster. He's gone. And Tristan Clark announced earlier this week that he is actually going to end his uh, basketball playing career. I did talk to Scott Drew on Tuesday, I think it was, about this. And, listen, Tristan Clark, two, three years ago, was Baylor's most important player. And then dealt with significant injuries. And Scott Drew said... It's it's a total bummer that he is not going to play anymore. He's going to be around the team, but he said 
it is wonderful to see that he, Tristan is completely at peace with this decision. Like he's he is going into psychology and really has found a purpose in life. He's not totally driven in his existence with basketball, which I think is a very healthy thing and frankly needs to be the case a lot more frequently across the board in this sport. So to hear Drew kind of pass that along and say, you know, he came to this decision it's his decision and he's totally fine with it and he's an inspiration to our guys because of it I think is important I I didn't know if Clark was going to wind up being an important role player or not I don't think it really dings them much they've got enough returning there Davian Mitchell is a really solid player in addition to Mark Vital who returns and is a potentially top 10 defensive player in the sport but as we do the pod here just wanted to know if you missed it Tristan Clark is uh, officially no longer on the roster this season but Baylor still sets up as a top three team to put some numbers with what you said about Tristan Clark, it was two seasons ago, 2018-19 season, he averaged 14.6 points, 6.3 rebounds per game. He was Baylor's best player, led the entire nation in field goal percentage, has a knee injury, and has just never been the same. Like, you know, he came back last season, was, quote, healthy enough to play, but he barely played. He only averaged four points and two rebounds in 13 minutes per game. And sometimes, because we had a lot of players like this that were really important players coming back after missing a significant amount of time. Tristan Clark was one of them. Killian Tilly at Gonzaga was another. And I remember talking to, might have been Scott, might have been Mark Few, could have been both. But one of the points they made about those types of players is when they come back, they're usually not the same. But the second year, they're back. If you get them back for a second year, that's when you can maybe hope to get what you had before. This would have been that second year for Tristan Clark. And unfortunately, it's just not working for him. He, in his statement, said it's become increasingly clear. I'm paraphrasing, not quoting, but it's become increasingly clear that regardless of the hard work and the rehab, I'm just not going to be able to get where I need to be to be the basketball player I want to be. So I'm going to hang up the sneakers. It really is sad. I don't know how much it hurts Baylor from a uh, potential perspective. And it is awesome to hear that Tristan seems to be at peace set with it. But this is a guy who two years ago was one of the best college basketball players in the country. And he didn't even get to finish his college basketball career. Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, it's, it's a letdown, but the fact that he is, he is good with it, I think is, is absolutely wonderful there. Um, Baylor, I expect to be right there. Um, Again, elite on the defensive end, elite, elite. Like, Virginia might be the best, and if Baylor can... If it can manage to duplicate what it did a season ago, then it's going to be pretty tough to defeat. It's going to play less than a week from today. If all goes well, let's hope it goes well. Literally, St. Bonaventure, as we are recording this podcast, announced that it's going on a COVID pause. It was supposed to go to Mohegan Sun. Um, So we just wait and see, and again, knocking on wood. But if all goes well, it's going to open the season with Arizona State. That's a really fun offensive team, a wonderful clash there, and then we might get Baylor versus Villanova. We talked a little bit about that on Wednesday's podcast there. And then beyond that, this is a team, if you want to lay out the schedule, GP, just to refresh people, um, Scott Drew has not been afraid to schedule up in the non-conference, and he's doing this. I wrote about this, I guess it would have been early October, I think. He's doing this intentionally because he knows that he's going to lose games. COVID is going to screw up his schedule. And so it's actually a bit of scheduling insurance to say, I'm going to try and get as many good teams as I feasibly can and play in enough good environments. And 
if I lose a game here, a game here, and a game here, well, at least I might have the results from the game there, the game there, the game there, in the non-conference to help us in addition to what we may or may not lose in league play. So uh, I mentioned the two off the top, but if you want to just refresh people on what else Baylor has, uh, I, I see the floor to you. Well, they um, they open with Arizona State, and if they win that, probably get Villanova. They've also scheduled Seton Hall for November 29th, Gonzaga for December 5th, and then obviously the um, – the Big 12 schedule is just going to be as tough as every other Big 12 schedule. And then in Big 12 SEC Challenge, they get Auburn. I believe Auburn's losing all five starters, so probably taking a step back. But they do have a five-star point guard, and you know Bruce Pearl has a history of overachieving. So undeniably, Scott has challenged himself, challenged this team. But the truth is, um, this can be a difficult task or I should say a more difficult task when you're relying on a bunch of freshmen or otherwise inexperienced players, when you're bringing back the top three scores from a team that was going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and won a record 23 uh, big 12 record, 23 games in a row was ranked number one at one point last season, one at Allen Fieldhouse for the first time. When you're bringing back the top three from that, that's when you can feel more comfortable than you otherwise would feel trying to do something like this from a scheduling perspective. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a wise decision. And when we talk about Gonzaga on Friday, Mark Few has done a similar thing, and it is just super refreshing to see coaches that really leaned into this and tried to make the most out of it. I think if you allowed Scott Drew to schedule 35 games, he would do it. I think he is super confident and very eager about what his team's capable of, and he's just gonna he's gonna try and you know seize the moment, if you will. Your coach at Baylor, um, this is the program of Bill Henderson. I don't need to re- I don't need to remind you of this. Okay, so nothing is guaranteed on an every season basis, even though obviously Baylor has continued to. Be be relevant in recent years and since 2010 it's been a three seed no tournament three seed no tournament six seed three seed five three no tournament nine and it would have been a one if they played last season so it's only continued to be great and part of that by the way I don't know if you had this in your notes or not GP but uh, I did want to point out that one of the reasons why Baylor continues to be good and it's not something that might not be evident if you don't follow the Big 12 follow Baylor all the time um, the teams across our big ten uh, our top ten are good for different reasons. And I love college hoops because different styles make for different fights and different ways to win. But Baylor relies on second-chance opportunities. It has ranked in the top 10 every single season since 2014 in offensive rebound percentage. A couple of those years, it was first, second, and third. I would expect that to be the case again. It is built into this culture. It is baked into the dynamic. And Baylor is never... Uh, you know, super reliable as a three-point shooting team. It hasn't even ranked in the top 50 of two-point shooting percentage in that same amount of time. But because of the guys that he recruits, this team is so aggressive on the offensive glass, and they can't be repressed. I don't think they will be again this year. So you combine wonderful offensive rebounding and a reliability uh, with perimeter D, and then Vital is just I mean, he's literally, he's a bear. He's just unbelievable and so tough. He's not, he's not literally a bear. He's not literally a bear. I was rolling. What do you want me to do here? <laughs> um, that's what's going to make them successful this season. Well, um, so they grabbed 35.7% of their own misses last season. That ranked eighth nationally. Here's the other thing. Defensive steal percentage, 12.1. That ranked 12th nationally. So they're getting extra shots, offensive rebounding. They're getting extra possessions with steals and, and creating turnovers. So they don't have to be great offensively 
even though they were top 20 in offensive efficiency last season, they don't have to be great offensively to be great because they're going to get way more shots than almost anybody they're playing. Yeah, and and I think this is going to be a better team offensively on the whole this season just because we're going to have Butler and Teague and Mitchell. I would just expect a natural evolution there. And so in totality, yeah, this is... This is a team that's deserving of its hype. I will be interested to see how it just kind of handles it. There's no outright star. We had we had Butler fairly, I mean, preseason All-American, fairly high on our top 101 players list. I didn't vote for him preseason first-team All-American. I, I, I enjoy his game, but I actually think Baylor works so well because it is kind of a, you know, one for all for one, one for all kind of deal there. And while he's going to need to be able to average north of 15 a night, and I think that Teague will as well, um, there's enough dynamism with the offense that that drew and his staff should be able to rely on these guys um to to be fairly consistent anyone else for you gp i mean listen you've had freaking almost 30 iterations of your top 25 and one you studied up Uh, outside of the guys who we've mentioned to you anyone else that you think would be a, a significant contributor well they do enroll a couple of top 100 freshmen um uh, um, among them, LJ Cryer, who's a six-one guard, accomplished scorer. I, I think he can come off the bench and and maybe get you know in a, a very much a role player, but come off the bench and get some some buckets for you. And he'll have one of those games where you look up and he got sixteen points off the bench or something like that. He won't average anything close to that, but I do think having a a a, 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 a guard who can score at your disposal. Use him if you need him. Sit him down if you don't is is a good thing to have. And then I, I will be interested to see what they do with the fifth starter. Like we know Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, Mark Vidal. Uh, those are those are four starters. Um, Who's is the fifth? Is it Flo Thamba? Is it Matthew Mayer? Is it one of the freshmen? Is it going to be fifth starter by committee? I, I don't think it's that important. Like it doesn't matter. But that is something that that Scott I'm certain is figuring out right now. I, f- I feel like Mayer might be it. I, th- I think that th- he might fit in best there. But uh, but I do think this will be a pretty reliable team of eight or nine guys. And yeah, with the new guys coming in, how they factor, when you've got a really, really good team, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But but uh, but Mayer, without a doubt, um, can be kind of one of those guys who's who's a killer against the other team because he's not low on confidence, can shoot from deep, uh, has pretty good size there, and is just, you know, kind of one of those X-factor types. Yeah, so, I mean, I hope it's pretty clear. We're both big fans of of, of what's in store for Baylor, at least what's possibly in store. I, for one, um, have projected them to be in the Final Four, and that'd be uh, for the first time since 1950, at which point Scott Drew would find himself just one Final Four short. Bill Henderson. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Baylor legend. Shouts to Lauren. Thank you guys for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast once again in the middle of the most idiotic pandemic of my lifetime. If you enjoy it, please tell somebody about it. If you have already subscribed, thank you. If you haven't, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. And either way, we're going to talk to you again real soon. By real soon, I mean Friday when we profile the top-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.